0: For some of you who don't know me, yeah, uh, we used to attend here, and uh, um, my wife and I, Janet, and we really enjoyed our time here and our fellowship here, and there's a lot of new faces, a lot of young people, so uh, I'm going to tell you straight up, I've come to steal your young people. You know, they don't don't belong here forever. I'm going to keep coming by the grace of God and challenging them to get out. And do the work of God. Amen? Because eventually, you know, you just get tired of just sitting in being in the listening seat when you got this unction inside of you and compelling you into something. So that doesn't mean everybody, don't take me wrong. I'm, what I'm trying to say is, but I will challenge those who are feeling the compelling. Any church I go to, that's that's what we do. Because Jesus is the one who said, you know, that the harvest fields are white. They're ready. But the laborers are few. I didn't invent that. Jesus said that. And he said, Pray ye therefore for what? Workers, laborers for the harvest field. So I don't feel guilty by coming in and challenging you to see the harvest fields. And I don't feel guilty by by coming and maybe, like our brother said, he felt conviction, that young man, he felt conviction. I don't mind bringing conviction. Because, again, people forget what the Holy Spirit is here on the earth for. He isn't just a teacher. It says that he comes to convict the world of sin. You'll find it in the Gospel of John. He convicted you of sin. He convicted me of sin. That's how you came to the Lord. So if we don't allow the Holy Spirit loose in the world to bring the conviction that saves, we don't what? We don't affect the world. We don't change the world. And then we get to live in a world that hasn't received what? The gift of God, the, you know, the light, the salt that it needs and that we sit back and complain about because we see the vileness and the evil and the darkness that's surrounding us. You see? You understand what I'm saying? But you know a blind man doesn't understand or a blind person doesn't... Does, uh, uh, when you have the light on a blind person, it doesn't affect the blind man at all. The only effect... And the world's blind. Darkness. They, you know, they're in darkness. But it's until you come with the light of Jesus, with the power of the gospel. You know that your Bible says in Romans chapter 1, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He says, because I know. Everybody say, I know. I know, I know that it is the only, say only, only. The only power of God unto salvation. There's no other, there's no other, it's the power of the word of God. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Hebrews chapter 4. When you get there, understand, it's that ability of the word of God that you speak because you are a believer. It, It affected your life. That word of God came into your life. And it was able to divide your spirit, soul, and body. It was able to come and to be a discerner of the thoughts of your own heart. It was able to come and to convict and to bring the changing power of God into your life. And then you became what Jesus said you had to become in order to enter into the kingdom of God. And that is born again. Born again. Born by the spirit of God. That it is not just a head transformation. It's not just something that, you know, makes you moral or more moral. It makes you, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, a new creature in Christ. All things pass away. All things are becoming new to you and to me. That's what Christianity is all about. That is the realness of the power of the Holy Ghost that abides in you and abides in me. And what we have to do is come out of our religiosity, which I know this church uh, believes in and understands. And we have to come out of our, even our churches. You know, we've become masters of services in these last days. We do. We have practiced how to have a good service. We know how to produce. We've become a production. But the scripture does not teach us that. We have to be a biblical-oriented people. And the biblical oriented people means that we are not masters, but we follow the master. We follow the leading of the master. You understand what I'm saying? We allow the Spirit of God to move amongst us. We don't. We don't. We don't formulate His move. We come and we wait upon the Lord. We come and, and and desire His move amongst us. We come and seek His face, and out of that, all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost comes and does what He's always intended to do, and that is to touch your life and to change your life. That's what happened to that young man that jumped into that baptismal pool. That's what happened to that young woman who came and just talked about how she was afraid and in fear and she and she faced it and she turned and she went to God because there was an atmosphere that was created there in that place that facilitated that that believed in that and allowed it to take place that they didn't say oh no you got to wait you you can't do this you can't do that we got it and pretty soon we lose the very life of the spirit of God within our churches in our church services and we, we have something that is more formulated and structured. And it even feels like God. I told you, I'm maybe, you know, I'm going to challenge you a little. But that's, that's what I have concerns for. I don't just have concerns that, I have great concerns for the whole, you know, for, the, for America. I have great concerns for what we are allowing to take place. I have great concern for the silence of the churches that are not standing up and speaking out against these things. Coming together and defending one another. I have great concern for that. Because if we're not careful, we'll be a part of what the Word of God calls the harlot, the whore of Babylon. And that, that, that whore falls at the end. And it says that the whole world is astonished. And I'm telling you, if America doesn't get saved, if America doesn't have a genuine revival, if there isn't a move of the Holy Spirit in America, the place that you live and enjoy right now, you will see it fall like it talks about in the book of Revelation. Judgment will come. The brother who got baptized, what I hope he understands that what that, that water, when he went under, when he went under that water, what he went, went, went under was that he was declaring that he understood the judgment of God. The water represents the judgment of God. And when he went under, he, he's putting all his faith into Jesus Christ, who carried the judgment of God. And when he went down, he experienced not only did Jesus die and go down into hell and to pay for the payment of sin, he came back up. The judgment couldn't hold him down. It was was considered paid. The debt was paid in full. Your life has been set free so that you can now come and participate in the life of Jesus Christ. No longer held by the spirit of death. Romans chapter 8. We're going to be going to Romans chapter 8 in just a second but we move away from the spirit of law and death into the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That is the victory that we have and when that young man came out of the water. That's what he was declaring. I am a new creature. I am now free from the spirit of law and death because I, the judgment underneath Jesus paid the judgment that was upon my life. But the church has got to understand the judgment is always a part of God. And if they would honestly study the Word of God, you would see the judgment always comes when, the, when even the people of God, especially the people of God, when they begin to drift away from God. You can go from the Garden of Eden, and this isn't my sermon, this is just the warm-up. You can go in the Garden of Eden and you can see when Adam and Eve felt a sin. There was judgment. You say, well, what do you mean there was judgment? There was judgment and grace moving at the same time. Jesus came and covered them with, sin, with skins. But the judgment was that he cast them out of the garden. It was, they were judged. And they couldn't live in the place that was prepared for them. And when we choose to live outside of the, uh, of the freedom of being a life that is holy and good by the power of the life of the Holy Spirit, and we choose to follow our own ways and our own spirit, spirit, it is there that God has to set us outside of the place that was prepared for us. And my Bible tells me again in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that you're his, you're his um, workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And in that, there was this this, this whole future that was given to you. And in that future was what? The things that God had predestined for you. Good works to perform and to do. And What we need to do is is to remember these things. That as we we get up every morning and we, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Are you doing that? What are you doing every morning? Are, are you getting up every day knowing that this is the day of the Lord that He has given you? And are you literally, literally by your heart, in your heart, not by your mind, in your heart, that you offer yourself to God as a living sacrifice? And you actually want to know what it is. And you know, or, or if you don't know, you're, you're at least praying, Lord. Help me to recognize the moments, the things that you have predestined for me this day. Don't let me miss them, Lord. Don't let me just run past them because of my schedule, my business, busyness, my, my things that I want to do. Help me to slow down, Lord. Help me to, once again, listen for your voice. To listen for the unction and the movement of the Spirit in my life. In here, Lord God, in my spirit. Gain, give me, Lord God, in the middle of Walmart. Your will and your purpose. In the middle of my texting, in the middle of my games, don't, le- don't let me be so distracted by this world that was created to distract you. The ruler of this world, the prince of this world, which is Satan, you think he, he is, he's trying to keep you awake so you can hear the voice of God? He keeps you distracted or he wants to put you asleep. And I, and I don't mean to be so strong, I'm telling you that this works for me too. These are the things that, that I have to make sure that my life is aligned with. Alignment is so important, chiropractors understand it. Amen? Amen. I mean, they're always getting you to come, but you need to be aligned, you need to be aligned, you're out of alignment, you're out of alignment. I wonder if we heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, how many times we'd hear that a day. Hey, Dave, you're out of alignment again, again. But we have in us the Spirit and the Word that bears witness to us. Not only who we are, but where we are going and in between. He leads us along the way. And and that's what Romans chapter 8 is all about. Romans chapter 8, when we talk about revival today. How many of you want revival? Amen? Do you know what it's going to look like? I hope you don't. (laughs) I'm serious. I I hope you don't plan it out what it's supposed to be like. Because when when it does come, you might miss it. It's sort of like that's what happened to the, all Israel, looking for the Messiah. And when he came, they missed him. So much so that you find Jesus weeping and crying over Jerusalem because they missed the day of their visitation. That is a very sad scripture. We like to concentrate on the, on the, on the, the goody-good scriptures. We, li- we like to make everybody feel good. And we think that's the, that's the full ministry of Jesus. I don't believe that. I believe it's a wonderful part of the ministry of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. But I also read about this Jesus who is a disruptor. And if you can't find the disrupting Jesus in your Bible, you're not reading it right. He disrupted, my goodness, he would just come. He would walk in a church, a synagogue. And he would walk into the synagogue, and the, he was just a troublemaker. They didn't ever want him to come back. Don't come back here again. They tried to kill him on the way out of the synagogue. He was in there, and another synagogue, he would just go to another synagogue. And next minute, you no know, demons are crying out. You see, it was okay. I mean, as long as Jesus wasn't there, it was okay if demons came to church. It's okay if devils come in. And I'm going to give you a word that that's exactly where a lot of the church of Jesus Christ is today. And you call it love. My brothers and sisters, we are getting a wake-up call. This is the last of the last days. And there is a great revival that's coming. And it will be those who are led by the Spirit of God and those who are not. And that's why I felt like the Holy Spirit say, just share a little bit out of Romans chapter 8 today. And I know Pastor Tony is a, is a, it's a great teacher and a lover of the, of the Word of God. Because I used to go here. So anything I say wrong today... He will come behind me. Because he's the shepherd of this flock. And that's his position. He should. And he can straighten it out. For you. Amen. And he can call me on the phone. And say brother you blew it. (laughs) And we'll talk. And if I feel like he's right. I'll say please forgive me. And if he doesn't I'll say. I'll give him a political answer. Mm, I'll have to think about that, Pastor Tony. And I'll hang up and probably never think about it. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So if I sound all hard today, you don't know me. I am not a hard man. I don't think I am. I love people. I hate the devil. But I love you. <laughs> I love the sinner just like Jesus. I love the broken. The wounded. The homeless. I love those troublemakers out in Los Angeles and the streets and the drug addicts and the, the people that are just being facilitated by this lion deceiving devil and his platform and his his government that he is setting up throughout the world. I've got eyes to see it, I've got ears to hear it, and I got a God that wants me to resist it. But we have to do it together. One can stand against a thousand. Two stand against ten thousand and that's why I say I'm out after your kids because Satan wants to come through the infiltration of the church and the infiltration of education and higher education to corrupt and to pollute what the true holy morality of God is and give them a secular humanism that looks like God, smells like God, but it is an angel of light in disguise. And it'll be they who come before Jesus at the end in the last day and say, we, we, we talked about you all the time. We believed in you. We prophesied. And it'll be those that Jesus will say to you. We always wonder who they are. I'm telling you today who they are. And it'll be Jesus saying to them, go away, I never knew you. You see, you think it's the Pentecostal. Because he prophesies. You, know, you all prophesy, whether you believe it or not. Prophecy, you, you know, it's declaring your rightness, what you say
1: about God. I can't go down there.
0: Therefore, verse 8, chapter 8, verse 1 rather. Let's go there. Remember, we're jumping off chapter 7. If you're in the word, you understand it. It's Paul's frustration he's thinking about. If you go up to fact 23, he says, but I see it. Or Let's go back to 20, verse 20 of chapter 7, guys, in the, in the booth. It says, now, if, you do, if I do what I do not want, I, no long, I am no longer the one doing it. But it's sin that lives in me. This is Paul speaking. He says, it's sin that lives in me. So I discover the principle. When I want to do what is good, evil is with me. How many of you discovered that? You want to do good, but what's with you? Evil. It's still present. It's resonant within us. It's there. It wants to influence us. For in in my inner self, I joyfully agree with God's law. But I see a different law in the parts of my body. So now all of a sudden we're beginning to see that we are more than one thing. That there's more than just a shell. And that there's a soul. And there's this intellect and the will that lives within it. And then there's the spirit of man. Amen? That's what it's saying. He's just simply saying that. But he's saying that sin occupies this outer shell part, the flesh, but it also then infiltrates if we allow it into your soul, into your will, into your mind. And then if we allow it, it leads us. And that's what Romans 8 is all about. Who's going to lead you? Who is leading you? And Romans 8 tells you straight up that the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And if you're not led by the Spirit, guess what? You have to read it. And then you have to sit and say, wow. I better be careful. Who's leading me? You can't let me lead you from this pulpit. Today. Everything I say, you better check out. And if you feel like there's something that you get on your knees and ask the Lord. Lord. Do I need to make some some changes in my life? Am I being deceived? Am I being controlled by something other than the Spirit of God? Because your word says that the sons of God are led by the, the Spirit of God, and I want to be I want to be that son that's led by you. Amen. Well, some of you want to be daughters led by Him. And if you want to be a non-gender pronoun and want to be led by God, you blew it already. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you right now. If you're one of them here today, you don't want to be talking to me because I'm not going to agree with you. I love you, but I'm not going to agree with you because I can't. Because to agree with you to be your friend or to agree with you to love you in, in a human way, Then that puts God down a level and raises you above God. And my thinking raises, raises, my thinking's off. And that's the thought that I have to take captive. And the only way I can take thought captives, you know, captive and cast them down according to the word of God, are, are those things that are contrary to God. You know, they exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. So the only way that I can deal with them is to have the knowledge of God in me to deal with them. And when I don't deal with them, then what I'm doing is I'm lowering. Uh, what I'm saying is the knowledge of God is not as valuable as your friendship. That's false love. You see, real love speaks truth. You deal. Love and truth are a package. They go together. So why do they go together? Because truth is the element of God that sets people free. We have said in this day that love sets a person free. Love that's connected to truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We say, God is love, God is love, God is love. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the, the life. He's saying the truth is what sets you free to have the life. That will bring you into the love of God. And that he is, the, he. is the. He is the personhood of love. That was sent by God. To bring you the truth. That sets you free. That's why the father. The word says in John 3. That for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. You following me in this. I know this is a short little. Theology teaching here but. Uh, I'm trying to move forward. We better go forward. I didn't even get into Romans 8. He says, I am no longer the one. Uh, He says uh, back here, verse 25, he says, 24. But I see a different law in the parts, 23, of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. This is to me. Now, I'm reading this with maybe a little bit of dave roach imagination because i try to put myself in the place of the person that's writing this paul and what he's feeling and what he's experiencing and and when a man cries out he says what a wretched man i am have you ever been there i have i know what that feels like what a wretched man it's disgusting Today in Christianity we say you should never feel shame. I don't believe that. I think shame is a power that is that is a, a part of the element of this of conviction. If you feel conviction it doesn't make you feel shame, what, what's your interpretation of conviction? We should feel shame, but we don't have to own shame. Better yet you don't have to let shame own you. Because you have the knowledge of God in you. You can take your shame and you can bring it to Jesus and have it removed from you from the same blood that forgives you. And in the forgiveness of God, the truth of God sets you free from the shame that wants to hold you a prisoner for the rest of your life. But to deny shame, to me, holds people captives because it's a false conviction. We think conviction is just, oh yeah, I did wrong, I'm sorry, Lord, and we move on. And conviction is a greater power. More than that, though, conviction by the Holy Ghost is is raised through the price that was paid for that conviction to come to you, which is the death of your Lord and Savior. And we should, we should have this respect. We should have this honor. We should have this overall awe and, and just holiness about the blood of Jesus. The cost. Romans 8 is about the cost. Christianity today wants you to be, I'm not going to be able to finish this just because of the time. Christianity today wants a, a Christianity, Christians today want a Christianity that has no pain. I call it epidural Christianity. That's my own invention. You can have it, you can steal that if you want, you can use it, you can write about that if you want. Epidural, I mean, just lay me down, Jesus, and give me the old epidural so I feel no pain. I'll live my life without pain. You know, that's what love does. No love, the love I know is willing to carry pain. The love I know that compels me, propels me to go to nations, to go into to into the highest regions and mountains and see the, the horrors that I get to see. You know, we talk about trafficking. I've seen trafficking. I've seen trafficking for 20-some years. The first ministry that I ever did in the Philippines that God led me to do outside of teaching with YWAM. Was to work with street kids. And those street kids were trafficked every night. They grew up with such twistedness inside of them. Talk about shame. You can't hide. You know, you try to hide shame, but you can't hide shame because of the pain that it produces. And when we don't want any pain is what we do is because we don't want pain. When we see the pain in others, we back away from it. We move away from their pain because if you get close to their pain, you're going to feel it. And not only will you feel it, you become accountable for it. Accountable to do something. Accountable to reach out. Because that's what love does. Love moves toward pain. Love understands the price that it costs. You know, the world produced epidural, so mothers don't have to feel the price. But I want you to know that Jesus, from all the way back in the book of Genesis, it said that you would feel the price. Childbearing. Yeah. The pain. And you know what a mother does when it feels pain? It groans. Romans 8, since I'm not going to be able to teach on it here in a short time, if you've got to keep reading Romans 8. It talks to you about the groan. The restoration of the groan is needed in the body of Christ. When we have our prayer meetings, we have prayer meetings today without the groan. When I was growing up and... You know, I met the Lord, you know, and I prayed with the old saints. We prayed and the house would shake. We, I've been in prayer. The, the roof shingles would fall off because of the presence and the glory of God. But, but in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the prayer, when we were praying, there would be the groan that would come from our spirits with the spirit of God. You see, your flesh won't groan because it don't like pain but the Spirit of God will grow in you with your spirit when you're being led by the Spirit. Because the Spirit of God embraces the pain. The Spirit of God brings you to embrace the pain. Where you're willing to, to become one with God. And that's the true calling of a Christian, that we would become one with Him. And I have failed miserably in this. There's many times that I've moved away from the pain. There's many times that I just ignored it because maybe I was tired or I was this, you know. Even when I was feeling the compelling moment, you know, from God. But the only thing that did is then it caused me personal pain. Because when I would go to raise my hands and to worship God, and I don't ever want to be able to raise my hand and worship God and not feel the pain of rejecting the leading of God the day before or the morning. That morning, you know, I'm saying just come to church and we exercise that thing, but it's not of the spirit. Or if it is of the spirit, when we raise our hands to worship God, we will feel the conviction. Because the offering has to be without blemish. And we forget these things. We're not even taught these things. So in the midst of worship, as we're worshiping God, he's cleansing the offering. He's dealing with us. And he reminds us. And in the midst of true worship, there's repentance going on. Some of the greatest worship services I've ever been in is that in the midst of worship, people are at the altar crying and weeping before the Lord because of the conviction of the Holy Ghost upon their own life doesn't mean that they're not Christians. They are Christians. And that's what a true Christian is able to do, to cry because of sin. We've, we've, take, we've given them epidurals in church services. We, we've, we've changed the whole move of the Spirit by our flesh. We've created something that is in an imitation of God, an idol that we worship. Without even knowing it. And it takes the grace of God. To expose it. And the revival that's coming. There's good revival. Upon us to expose our hearts to us. God is going to break the church. In the next revival. I don't mean tear it apart. We do good. We do, we do that you know. Pretty good job too. He's going to come and he's he's going to bring brokenness back to us. Humility, true humility back to us. A love for God that isn't running away from him but running toward him in a way that that it's not a freedom just to, to, to be like what I'm doing, be what we want and then still just run to him and say, Daddy, 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 I'm your favorite. That language is going to disappear, my brother. I'm speaking to you by the Spirit of the Lord. That that language will disappear in the future. God's going to raise a maturity within the body of Christ that you don't need to be the favorite. You're very happy with being a son, a son of God, by the grace of God. It was good for a season the church needed to hear that we needed to to once again because of the other extreme from times past god god helps us in our extremes but the next revival I'm telling you there's going to be yeah an alignment god the chiropractor is coming you know and maybe when god gets done with his chiropractor we will be like jacob I'm going to walk with a limp instead of a strut. The strut's more of a walk of pride. And a limp was the walk of God dealing with the man and revealing to him the crookedness of his own walk and ways. He was set free to be a son of God with his limp. I don't know if I'm making sense to you in any of that. I understand it for myself. Because I'm the guy that needs the (laughs) limp. Yeah. So if you don't understand that, uh, I'm sorry. But I'm just trying to, to... Explain it in terms that God has brought my life through. And he wants to do the same for you. I want to end today. We only have two, three minutes left here. Over in 2 Corinthians, like I said, we didn't get into Romans 8. but You'll read that yourself. It's Like I said last night when I was teaching, I said, you know, you look it up. Why should I have to do all the work for you? Is what I want. I had notes here somewhere. That's how I do notes when the Holy Spirit's coming on me. That's a napkin from a restaurant. Just sitting there. But, uh, that's 2 Corinthians 11, Dave. Be confident. Yep, 25 through 30. He goes on to say, let me just begin with verse 22. Well, we better begin with right above it. He says, but in whatever anyone dares to boast, I am talking foolishly. I also dare. He says, I dare to speak this way, and this is why. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are you a Christian? So am I. I am your brother. And I'm sharing with you the Jesus that has dealt with my life and what he has spoken to me. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are you the part of the Church of the Rock? So am I. He says, are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am talking like a madman. I am a better one with far more labors, many more imprisonments. He's talking about the pain now. I want you to hear this, brothers and sisters. All right. He says, uh, far more labors, uh, many more imprisonments, for worse beatings, near death many times. No epidural Paul. There was no getting around the pain. You want to be a servant of God? You'll have a life. Your Christianity, if your Christianity doesn't bring you any pain, something's wrong with your Christianity. And if you can show me scripturally something different, I'd be willing to sit with you. Just show me the men who walked with God and followed God and didn't have pain. I mean, just having me here today is probably causing some pain. I just won the argument. Amen. Listen to this guy. I mean, this guy's really out there. This Paul. I'd have loved to, to meet, meet this man. Imagine what he looked like after all this stuff, too. He says, five, today. All our guys. You know, they. I mean, the, the greatest preachers of today. You know, they got TV screens and they got campuses all over, and they got they got ripped jeans on. You know what I'm saying? Sneakers on, tattoos." Uh, hear me out, guys. That's what it is, you know. And, and not only that, they're ripped. You know, you can see they've been at the gym at least three, four, five times a week. That's probably where they do their praying. I'm sorry, Lord. He says, five times I've received 39 lashes from Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods by by Romans. Once I was stoned by my enemies. Three times I was shipwrecked. You got it, guys? Here it comes. He says, I have spent a night and a day in the open sea. Isn't that fun? And he didn't mean he went down to the beach down here at Melbourne and laid out there. He was sh- drifting in the sea, hoping he wasn't going to be eaten by sharks. Amen? On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers. These guys are experiencing some of that right now. They cross cross rivers that are, you know, just ready to wash the car away. They have to get out of the cars, tie ropes across things, walk across, walk up mud hills, slide their way into the church to speak and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? Just to reach maybe one or two or ten. There might be a village of 20 people that's that's unreached. They go to places where no white person's been. Does that make them better than you? I am not saying that. But they understand the cost, and a lot of us don't. But the problem with not, with that statement is, it's not that I, I want you all to go out and suffer. A, but, but there's a problem when the church preaches a message that you shouldn't have to, to have pain. It's death to the church. It's death. On frequent journeys, I face dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers. I think this guy lived in Chicago. Yeah. Dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city. This guy lived in danger. Who was he? Just the guy that wrote most of the New Testament. You know, the thing that we follow, the thing that we listen to, the thing that gives us our instructions, that we brag about. Dangers in the city, dangers in the open country, dangers on the sea, and dangers among the fall. Somebody should write a song about this. You know, we get the right drum rhythm, man, and sing this song, it'll be a hit, I'm telling you. Danger, you know, we could get the right words, and then all of us would holler, dangers, dangers, (laughs) dangers. Man, we could get into this, I'm telling you. Catch this, brother. (sniffs) Dangers among false brothers, labor and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst. You know, it's hard to sleep sometimes when you have rats running all over the top of your head. You just get to sleep in here, Now, I'm not talking about on the roof. I'm talking about in the room with you. Many sleepless nights. And, I, and the reason I say that is because I talk to people. Hey, why don't you come on? Oh, I'm not going, you know. You know, do they got, sp-? here's what really happens. They say, well, do they have spiders there? Well, yeah, they got spiders there. You got spiders here. What are you talking about? You know? Do they have rats there? Yeah, they got rats there. You got rats here. What's the matter with you? There's rats in, in Florida running around. Probably got a few in your own house that you don't know about. Yeah, they got all that stuff. But you know who else is in that house? Jesus. Jesus is there? Yeah, he came with me. Yeah. He was there before me, but he came with me at the same time. It's part of that mystery. dangers on the sea dangers among my false brothers labor and hardship many sleepless nights hunger and thirst man this is a real downer part of scripture let me tell you hunger and thirst often without food cold and lacking clothing now you tell me that doesn't sound like america no not for us we're the american church No I'm not saying that we should go out and create that but I'm saying that we should be willing to walk it out if need be. And and because it doesn't exist around you I'm already past my time Tony I apologize. But because it doesn't exist around you it doesn't mean that you can't have the Holy Spirit lead you what does what does exist around you. I encourage churches wherever I go to start having evangelistic meetings. Thirty days straight, a whole month of nothing but put up a tent, start doing evangelistic meetings, start reaching out, let people see that you know. Invite a speaker in once, once a uh, you know, once a year that way, and, and maybe just 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 reaching out to the lost. I, I encourage people wherever you go, be ready to share the gospel. But make sure that when when you share the gospel, I got to be careful because of time, that you're not giving them a false gospel. You know, just say this prayer and you'll go to heaven. I'm telling you that it's a big movement today, big movement in Florida. Just recite this prayer, and and you don't have to worry about your eternal anything forever. Just say the prayer, say the prayer. You going to heaven? Yeah. How do you know? I said the prayer. What an answer. Hmm. Anyhow, I'm just encouraging you as one of your missionaries to come in to know the Great Commission has not left the church. Go ye, go ye, go ye, go ye, go ye. Don't tell me it's not your gift. That's a lie. Go ye into all the world. That's the world. You have no excuse. You have none, my brothers and sisters. You must go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's who you are. It's who you've been called to do. Share with your friends. Don't make your friendship more valuable with your friends and your friendship with Jesus. Love your friends enough that you want to see them in heaven. Not just here on earth. Love them enough that you want to see them in heaven. If you want prayer after church, I'll be glad to pray with you after this. We will pray for you for healing, deliverance, salvation, anything you might need. I thank you for the opportunity to share with you today May the Lord bless you and keep you and watch over each and every one of you as you go out today to do the work and the will of God in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. God bless you. Amen. Uh, Ushers, let's go ahead and uh, just begin to pass the offering. We're going to take up an offering. This will all go to One Life Ministries. Or, um, is that right? One life? that's right. One Life yeah. Ministries. Uh, this will all go to One Life Ministries. Make your checks out of Church on the Rock. Uh, if you know, you guys can go on and give it PayPal if you forgot your checkbook or if you're younger than thirty and no longer have a checkbook. Uh, I'm learning. Thank you, Jesus. You guys feel challenged? Okay, I'm going to give you one out. Are you ready? Uh you don't have to be like Dave because Dave's doing what Dave's doing because God told him to. You don't have to be like Tony. Tony's up here because God told him to. But uh, you do have to be like Jesus, and you do have to obey. Now, some of you might be relieved that you don't have to be like Dave and go to the Philippines. But uh, I don't know what obey means for you. It may be harder. Uh, You know, you went in that person in your neighborhood to Jesus, may be worse than the spiders and rats. The point is, it's just obedience. It's just just going, uh, God, I'll I'll obey, and even if it's hard, if I know it's you, I'll do it. Amen? And I know you guys. I know you're doing that. So just... uh, Take the challenge, take the encouragement, uh, but uh, don't go try and prove to God how tough you are. Take it to God and go, uh, what, what do I do, God? What do I, what's the obedience thing for me? Uh, you know, and he might just, you know, he might just talk to you about a neighbor or talk to you about, he might tell you to go to the Philippines and then you got to talk to Dave. Amen? Young folks? All right. I'm gonna pray for you, and then we're gonna turn you loose. Uh, Dave will be up here if you'd like prayer. Uh, Mike and Tammy will be up here if you like prayer. Uh, feel free to come up and make them pray for you. They gotta do it because uh, you know they gotta embrace the pain, right? Thank you, Jesus, Lord. I love in Romans eight where uh, where he. Paul basically says it's going to be worth it. There's no way that the sufferings of this present time are even going to be worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Jesus, we are in this for your glory. For your glory in us, for your glory manifest in the earth. Uh, So, Lord, I just pray this morning, uh, make your people courageous. Make your people brave. Make your people glorious in the glory of Jesus Christ. Lord, send them out in glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.